Hey guys, I don't know if you're like me, but I love Count the Dings and everything it has to offer. I just can't find everything I need. You know, I know about Cinephobe and I know about the mailbag and I know about Bomb, but that's all we do, right, I mean? No, we do so much more. What? Yeah, absolutely. If you sign up, patreon.com slash count the dings, you'll find a plethora of other content, fresh content, extended content, the OG pod overflow, the Cinephobe cold opens that we've taken and made their own thing to live only there the re-watchingtons bomb and it's full Ooh. and unadulterated cut early drops of cinephobe episodes and so much more said the og pod now is it new or is it old mace i'm glad you asked that it is a new incarnation mm-hmm. of the old og pod oh. so it's me zach trey Waz, tom i love those guys just like we always were going back to the true hoop days mm-hmm. we're recreating that magic recapturing it and putting it back out we're talking hoops we're talking pop culture and most importantly we're talking for 40 minutes for free mm-hmm. but then another specific patreon exclusive segment for every one of those episodes funny enough about that og pod you're getting tom and trey on mondays you're getting me and waz aka zosny on wednesdays Amin's floating in between i'm a floater you never know when you're gonna get Amin in those so you gotta listen to them all and what if i'm not sure what maze looks like because i've always thought he's a fat man with a fedora he's got a weird voice how can i see for myself what this maze character actually looks like it's crazy you don't know the answer to this mm. because it's the cinephobe pod youtube page what the ct5s on the cinephobe pod youtube page you can look at all of us you can get all the og pods on youtube too at count the dings one on youtube at cinephobe pod on youtube patreon.com slash count the dings gets you everything all in one feed you can link it to your spotify and now enjoy the show Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Tom, what is your favorite camping food out under the stars? Hmm, hi. You know what? I think I'm going to go with baked beans. I'm like Jumbo from Blazing Saddles. Uh, Love the baked beans. I don't think anyone else who's in my tent will like it, though. I prefer room service. <laughs> this is Pack Your Knives. I'm Kevin Arnovitz. And I'm Tom Haverstrow. Tom, fifth episode, season six, down to 12 chefs. Uh, interesting disparity. Kind of, I feel like there's a large disparity between the championship championship caliber chefs 
and sort of the also rants. It's just, again, it's this weird distortion coming out of the all-star season where I just, I forget the gulf and chasm between the very, very good and the good. Yeah, the, uh, there's definitely two tiers here. Um, and I will say that we have not done fantasy scoring this season and I regret that, deeply regret it. I guess I could retroactively do it because you would see that statistically that Brian Voltaggio, Michael Voltaggio, Jen Carroll, Mike, uh, Isabella, um, and Kevin Gillespie, I would say are just far and away in an, in a different class. And this episode was immensely enjoyable for me. I know that you don't like the uh, the whole cooking in the snow or cooking in the desert aspect, but this didn't go in the middle where it was like not quite, um, not quite restrictive and not quite. Yeah, yeah. You either want to go, hey, here's the challenge: just make the best fucking dish you can make, and then everyone just makes amazing food, right? The cuisine is is top notch. Or you go the other direction, and you better have a um, a restriction that makes great TV. And I felt like the commentary in this one, the one-liners, the um, the shot of Ron just sitting by his TP was like a king. I mean, it's so many moments I just out out loud giggled, and people here. Um, I'm at I'm at uh, my my cousin's lake house in Tennessee, and so pardon me if the if the rental Wi-Fi, the rental house Wi-Fi is no, no good. But I will say this, Kevin. I really liked this episode, even though the food sucked. Yeah, I'm okay with it. I, I will say this as a confession. I think this is the week I get eliminated. You know, I, I was <laughs> I don't I, even think you show up for work. Yeah, you know, I, I've I think I've put in a good couple of weeks. <laughs> I, I feel like I had a real puncher's chance at getting through the first four weeks. I think this is a brand of adversity. Now, I don't know. I mean, Mateen's ceviche was so disgusting that I might have been able to get by. Like, I think my instinct and we'll, we'll do the quick fire first, but just kind of looking at it, my instinct would have been to kind of go Brian Baltaggio, like get a, a savory protein. Polenta's brilliant, right? You can't fuck that up because it's just going to be in a pot or a, a skillet and you can just, it's going to be warm. Mm-hmm. You can't really overcook it. Um, you know, dandelion greens, brilliant. Like, like he well, wait, has wait, the what smartest are those? What are those? I know what a dandelion is, but is dandelion greens a thing? Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's a, as I said, it's a very bitter green. They, they have these sort of, um, like these, these, it, they're actually very beautiful greens. Like on the plate, it's the one of the best looking greens as opposed to like, you know, collards or, or Swiss chard. Well, Swiss chard is nice with those little colored stems. But, um, yeah, yeah. I, it, I just think like a braised green, a polenta, mm. right? Like, like I would maybe be inclined to do like a shrimp sausage and grits, but shrimp kind of freaks me out in the heat. Um, as as we saw at the judges' table, but I think this is the week I go home. Tom, I don't like adverse conditions. I don't. I need I need the kitchen the way I need my kitchen. Like I'm not a guy who can cook with one arm tied behind my back. I am I am a control freak. I like to know what my conditions are going to be going in. I need to know. I am again. I am a J in the in the Myers Briggs uh, scale. So, so what about camping? Oh, screw that. I mean, you know what I love? I love that it, we now know on this show because it comes up every time. Yeah, you always have the outliers. I grew up like I grew up with a Unabomber, so I am used to this. But by and large, chefs are are urban creatures. And even if they're not, they just like they like the comforts of home. These are not people. I, Eli's like, by the way, I've glamped. I think we talked about this. Like I I've glamped my last few trips. I do enjoy as long as I don't have to haul shit on my back and as long as someone else does the cooking and as long as someone else pitches. And this is this does and cleans the place. I'm talking to someone who goes to Mongolia for fun. Yeah. And I stayed in a yurt and like other people did the shit like other people took care of the yurt maintenance. Is is a Um, uh, TP uh, Mongolian TP? Um, sort of, kind of. I mean, I think it's it's much bigger. Um, one thing I did get very good at in Mongolia is, is they were the only heat is this wood iron stove, and like one of the great measures of pride I have from that trip is, yeah, you you'd, you'd put the log in before you went to bed, and then you'd wake up because I wake up like seventeen times a night to go to the bathroom, uh, about four and a half hours in, and it's freezing, mm. and you have to put another log on the fire and get that fire going again. 
and I got pretty damn good at like lighting, See? like maintaining a wood fire oven for heat. But Ca- caveman large, Kevin, I like caveman Kevin. This sounds like you're you're feeling like you're in your element a little bit there. I don't. When I'm camping, I don't want to have to haul shit. I don't want to have to cook shit. I don't want to have to clean shit, and I don't want to have to set up shit. Like <laughs> I, I will, I will do the hiking. I will do the sleeping on the ground outdoors. I that I don't mind. I've even gotten really good at pooping outside. And because your entire like on a trip like Mongolia um, or Namibia, we did like your entire perspective. It's amazing when you do camp, just how quickly you you sort of recalibrate your expectations. Yes. So like so three days in, you see this massive boulder, and you realize what a in a, on an open plain. So if you're on the steppe in Mongolia, like they're not it's not like the woods. I mean, you have if you want to go, you got to like figure out how to obscure yourself. And you just look at a beautiful boulder, like that is the Ritz Carlton Hotel bathroom of boulders, <laughs> and like you get such satisfaction over finding. Never mind that you're still doing it outside. Never mind you're still squatting. It's just like the sheer fact that you get the satisfaction of, oh, today was a good day. I had this great, like little little grove of of trees that I could go. Like it's so funny how when you're out there, you just you're so quick that you're like Tom Hanks and Castaway. It's like you just you just become one, but I still don't like it. Uh, I mean, I still do it just because I can't get anywhere else in the world. So you, there are places you can't get in the world without. You're doing vibing it. with Eli, who said, "quote oh, I totally. don't believe in camping." Yeah, like I only believe in camping in the sense that it, it, I had to get comfortable with it at a certain point when it dawned on me, like I was going to miss seeing parts of the world I wanted to see because I couldn't want it. Because I and really, the camping is as much about the going to the bathroom outside anxiety too but like i just realized i wasn't going to see the simian mountains of ethiopia like i wasn't going to be able to do mongolia like we wouldn't be able to do fish river canyon in namibia and so it, it just there's no other way to do that other than sleeping in a tent and doing everything outdoors and i don't enjoy it but i get a certain pleasure out of i saw this place and i had to do that was just a prerequisite yeah i think it's more i feel like you ideologically you were inspired or you kind of you kind of got what Michael Voltaggio was saying is like I'm not cooking for cowboys I'm cooking for I'm cooking my food and hopefully the cowboys like it and um I thought that was a, a total different mindset than some of the other chefs were like I was born I I was surprised Kevin how many of these chefs were like in the uh roughing it up at, in their childhood like I it was one after another. It was like, oh, I lived in the woods. I grew up in the woods. Like I, I love outhouses. Like that's my thing. And I was like, whoa, I did not expect this. So I coming into this this whole episode uh, didn't expect people to feel like this was where they're going to thrive in this moment. Now, from the beginning, um, the quick fire challenge was the uh, you had to choose or the, the fans could vote on what ingredient they were going to cook with. Apparently, oh, was the fans or the chefs? No, I think it was fans. The, there was a oh. Padma did this little uh, VO, this uh, voiceover where people on their sprint phones could text in their vote mm. for either cactus, rattlesnake and king or kangaroo. And we had chef Tim Love. Uh, who had apparently opened a Western bistro uh, called Lonesome Dove. And he, he walks in. He's got the, the way oversized. Looks like he's wearing a bed sheet uh, uh, button down with the, uh, with the double-breasted pockets, very Texas Western. Um, and they had to do a cactus. Uh, apparently, the fans wanted to see cactus on the show. What, was, what were your thoughts on that choice? I was actually surprised. I would imagine that a fan favorite would have been rattlesnake or kangaroo. I'm just kind of shocked that people just that those are such crowd pleasers. I mean, it's it's like snakes on a plane, you know, like like who doesn't want to see chefs cook snake? I mean, that's kind of that's that's a great visual. I don't need to see them cook cactus. So, um, you know, it was very funny. Michael Voltaggio had sort of the the best shade in the episode. Um, he ended up finishing on the bottom of, of this, uh, quick fire challenge. And I, it might for, I mean, Tom, I got to assume it might be his only bottom finish in the history of the show. I mean, I um, imagine so. Unless there's a team thing or something, uh, you know, because he did this, you know, uh, this red cactus coulis and avocado roll with coconut ceviche. And he was put on the bottom and, you know, and then they, when, when they came to him afterwards, 
he was basically like, I'd rather work with interesting flavors than take the slime out of cactus. It was sort of his way of saying, congratulations, you performed a stupid human trick. When will I ever use this in the real world? Right. Meanwhile, I'm a great chef. Congratulations. You can take the slime out of cactus. Which one of these is more applicable when we actually start cooking? So it was just funny to see how petulant he was over having to do this very kind of niche task that really doesn't suggest anything about your innovation or the quality of your cooking. I can't say I disagreed with him, but it was really amusing to see him just sort of just kind of say these like he clearly has very little patience for these stupid human trick chef challenges he wants to cook right he he wants to cook in a kitchen with in restaurant conditions with a wide array of of, of culinary selections and produce mm-hmm. and if you do that he is absolutely convinced he is the best chef on the planet and when you start taking away shit from him it's okay well, again, it's it's the eighth grader doing math. When am I ever going to use this in the real world? Right the 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 cactus that Mateen called cactrice 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 cactrice. Um, I've never eaten cactus. I don't think I have. Uh, at least I didn't knowingly. Maybe maybe at some obscure Mexican joint, I just I just ordered a dish and it had a cactus relish, and I didn't really I didn't really get that it was cactus. Um, but have you have you ever prepared or eaten cactus? I've only prepared it out of the jar. So like, like it, I mean, many Mexican supermarkets near me often shop at them. You will see kind of cactus in a jar. Uh, no, they usually like chipotles in a can, right? Mm-hmm. So so I have done it for kind of a fajita mix that I did once, but I've never used fresh right. cactus, no. Um, but I mean, you'll see it on menus and stuff. Uh, there is, there's this wonderful um, Yaliskin place um called la casita in uh in bell california if you ever come to town it's a great place they and they do really regional yaliskan food these lovely squash blossoms and these soups and they do some cactus there and it is is a frequent um item on their dish so i've never cooked with it other than that kind of canned jarred rather um kind of in the almost like pickles like it was almost like these pickly peppers um but no i i don't yeah i so i think what happened with michael vlataggio was that i think the chef, the the guest chef, uh, Tim Love. I don't think he liked the tweezery dish. I think that's the only no. thing he didn't like. Exactly. And it offended his sensibilities as a Texas lonesome dove chef, Western bistro chef that I, I bet it tasted amazing. And I just think the presentation threw him off. And that was the shocker of the season for me, that Michael Voltaggio would finish in the bottom three on any episode. Um, and I think it wasn't about the food. It was about the presentation. So- I, I totally agree with you. I, I got the sense that it was a statement. It was, it was a statement. Bond. Like there's no t- – you can't tell me – and look, again, this is always the problem with the show is that we'll never be able to taste and talk for ourselves. But but I, I just failed to believe that Voltaggio's you know, coulis with avocado roll and coconut ceviche was one of the three least appetizing <laughs> dishes on that. I just don't believe it. I don't believe it. I think this was a populist chef. Who's got a certain persona? Sort of. You remember like the Italians in the All Star season with Brian Voltaggio? Yeah, of course. Like, there's no soul in your cooking. Like, I think one of the understated qualities of this show, and it's not all chefs, it's not even a majority of the guest judges, chefs, judges, but I think there is often a lot of ideological expression through judging. I think there are these populist chefs who like to, as you say, take down the tweezery crowd. I think, frankly, there's some other way. I think there are times when, you know, really technical chefs come on and sort of eh, turn their nose up at this was very simple. You know, there's mm-hmm. nothing special here. Basic. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I think that it's actually something I'm going to really start looking for again because I, I, we've, we've noticed it. Like you noticed it this week. We noticed it with the Italy All Star 17. And to the extent to which these guest judge chefs sort of take a little stab or for that matter, like pay tribute to someone who kind of speaks their language in a culinary sense. Yeah. I, um, I, I kind of enjoyed his emotionless, dry monotone reviews. He just seemed like a very cold person. Um, this guy. And I, like when he asked Ron, did you have any fun? And Ron's like, yeah, I loved it. This is great. Like, da, da, da. and then he's like, Someone else had a dish, and he was like, "I'm a big fan of tequila." Right. And I was like, "Well, <laughs> this guy is weird." 
Poor Ron. I mean, the six words you do not want to hear from a judge are the crab tasted rancid in my mouth. <laughs> like, like, that's like the least appetizing sentence ever uttered on top there show. were some greatest hits of 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 bad bad dish reviews here on this episode i mean that one might yeah. rank maybe top five but it, it's there's a lot of those in this episode and i i i so, so we had bottom was michael voltaggio ash was in the bottom and so by was, the way i feel terrible for ash i mean like he was gonna do this soap it was a really good idea he didn't have the tortilla maker, so it was just this lumpy thing, and it was the saddest looking like, – like the exchange of expressions, just the eyes said it all. It was like Ash and this judge and Chef Love, um, kind of a misnomer, and and he gives them this like dry grilled cheese that just was the ugliest thing I've seen <laughs> on the like show. And like baseball mitts. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh my God. Exactly. <laughs> and, and, and it's like, I felt for him because I know what he wanted to do. It was a really good idea. I think like a, 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 a cactus melt would have been a great dish, right? Like the truth is he probably should have just gone with regular bread and just done a yummy, yummy cactus melt. Um, with oozing cheese. like that would have been a really great with a little dipping sauce, you know, like with a, with an achiote dipping sauce. Yeah. On the side. Like that would have been a really good, quick fire challenge with cactus yeah ron ron says uh back in haiti that the, the cactus are poisonous i didn't know that they were poisonous cactus but i'd imagine or cacti but i'd imagine you don't want to fuck with that cactus multiple ways yeah no, i i would assume so as well um so what uh, on the top the yeah, mike is, yeah. isabella wins this one anything um stand out to you on his dish i mean he, he clearly from the beginning the editors you know wanted you to know that isabella knew what he was doing yeah, I think it's the old who highlighted the dish, mm-hmm. you know, who highlighted the ingredient rather. Like that's always the thing. And the winning chef is the chef that most that paid the most respect to the ingredient, right? Mm-hmm. It's one of the conventions of the show. Um, I actually was surprised that Laureen, just because her cactus was only in a salsa and, um, you know, was actually a member of the top. It looked like a great dish, but I'm always – it just seems like one of the great conventions of this show is you have to highlight the ingredient. And like Isabella did that. I mean, yeah. Cactus Ceviche, you're, you're, you're hanging it out there. I mean you're basically saying like here is the ingredient and it's in its nakedness. I'm going to do it. And um, I mean so I, I kind of – much respect. He said uh, for those who want to cook cactus at home, he said the way you do it is you got to cure it. Um, so he does the ceviche. He wins. Mike Isabella is on the board. Um, but I want to highlight here a quote from Ash, who I think is my favorite um, contestant on the show. Ash says, we're all great chefs, but are we great innovators? And I loved it. I was like, ooh. So this is kind of where we get into the elimination challenges. Are we great innovators? The, the, the show, the whole premise of Top Chef is you get all these great chefs in a room, but you have these challenges and you have to innovate. And in this instance, oh man, um, it was it required. What it, what is it that um, uh, oh, what is it? Necessity is the mother of invention. Yes. Is that Necessity right? Necessity is the mother of invention. That is correct. So here we are. You're in the camping. You're in the uh, on a ranch, a dust pile. Um, in the middle of nowhere, Nevada. It's a billion degrees out. You're living in teepees, and so now you got to innovate, Kevin. Right. So they get four fire pits and some cast iron pans and a little lean to. It was interesting, as you shed. Like it turns out, Robin grew up in the Mountain West and did some kind of outward bound thing, and Mateen grew up on a Basque country farm, uh, and Ashley grew up with a Unabomber. Um, Ron <laughs> is using voodoo to ward off snakes, which was amusing, and Voltaggio, Michael just absolutely says this is an away game what was funny about this to me tom is like every once in a while top chef gives away the game like they're making it out like you're gonna cook for 20 combatants at ruby ridge right like like the guy who's defending his land from the feds in oregon like, like you think and then it comes in like meanwhile ooh, the red bag and polento is really good like like you start going to these guys and they sound like 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 me it's just so it's just kind of funny like you're gonna cook for you know people who skin did, other men for a living yeah did, and then you, it, did you catch like, the guy who goes the bearded one the bearded guy who kind of looked like that poker player with the sunglasses and the cowboy hat and he's like i'm not sure what this is but i like the tequila 
And right, it, like he was the one guy, but everybody, <laughs> all these other cowboys, like were about to like get a table at at Chez Panisse or something. Like they, like, the idea that these were like these are rugged individualists, you know. So, Wait, did you I catch just, the, that. Uh, just another thing on the on the guests? Um, did you catch the dude who wore a belt over his shirt? Hello, listener. Guess who's back? It's me, Anthony Mays, your favorite butcher turned podcast producer, and I'm here to talk to you about Butcher Box. ButcherBox is the most convenient way to get high-quality meat and seafood that you can trust delivered straight to your doorstep, free shipping, vacuum-sealed packaging. It's ready to go right then. It's ready to pop in the freezer. You get exclusive member deals and a variety of high-quality cuts at an amazing value. Going to the grocery store can be a huge pain. You're usually in a rush at an inconvenient time. You're waiting in line at the meat counter. You're taking a number. Maybe this place doesn't have a number. You're jostling with fellow customers. You're trying to get that ribeye that you want or that nice piece of salmon. Maybe the butcher that you're dealing with has a bad attitude or something. I don't know. That was never me. I promise. But maybe it happens. ButcherBox takes all of that out of the picture. You are always prepared with meat and seafood in the freezer, and you're not going to find quality for this price anywhere else other than ButcherBox. So sign up at ButcherBox.com slash Dings, D-I-N-G-S, and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com dings and use code dings, D-I-N-G-S, to choose your free for a year offer, plus get $20 off your first order. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Like a girdle? Like what do you mean? <laughs> there is a like, guy, like the 80s? Like there's a guy who was wearing like your classic cowboy button down with the double breasted uh, pockets, right? And, uh, and, and he had like this thick ass belt around his, his hips, but it was – the shirt was tucked in to his belt. Uh, and then they, it had a huge belt buckle. I caught one of the belt buckles, had a Ford logo on it. I mean this was where, – where do you think Bravo got these, these folks? I, that's what I want to know. Like, how do you What's recruit the casting the call for the twelve? I think 20, it is. Like, it turns out these are. You know what? These are like dancers in a Vegas show who they just outfitted in in Western wear. That's your theory. I maybe. I don't know. <laughs> like, like, how did they find us? I mean, who? Like, who were the diners in in Louisville in Lexington? Rather, I think they're like friends of the producers of the show, or like friends of the staff, um, like food scene people from from Lexington and Louisville. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, but but where do you find twenty four cowboys if you're Bravo? I don't know. It's not. It's not. It's, it's sort of counter programming for them. And when they're when they're yeah. running when they're walking in, I'm just expecting. But uh, no, but when he started talking about the the rutabaga, I was just like, oh my god, this this is not this is not you, not not your mother's cowboy. So, no, um, no. But uh, so anyway, yeah, it's 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 a deprivation challenge, as I like to call them. This is you've got four fire pits. It was interesting to see people who trusted the process, and then the, the like. Can we can we just say one thing? I mean, Tom, how many times on this show? And granted, it's only season six, and we're informed by another whole decade worth of programming. But like, when is raw fish in one hundred and ten degrees ever a good? Has ceviche ever won outdoors, Tom? No. Like like like, like who is? And yet you could see it from a mile away. Who does ceviche in the 110 degree heat? I don't care how refreshing you think it's going to be. I feel like we've how many raw fish losers have we had like like being bumped from the competition in in heat situations? But like you, I feel like it's, it's a cop be a out dish. Let's be honest, it's a cop out dish because you're afraid you're, of the fire. You're, you're afraid. Of you're the fire. afraid of the fire. You're afraid of any. So if you're, I mean, the strategy is if you have a great unknown about how this kitchen is going to look, just avoid the kitchen altogether. 
do a ceviche and then you don't have to fuck with a stove. You don't have to fuck with a fire pit. You, have to, you don't have to do any of that. And so when the multiple people are doing a ceviche, I feel like it's a, hey, what can I do that completely avoids the big variable? Um, I thought Kevin did a dish that was smart in terms of the, the duck breast. Because you know you can render that fat. You can. I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, you need you need to do the fire gradually. But um, his tequila. I was actually shocked given their reaction that he wasn't on the top three because he did the duck breast with the mole and the cold mm. salad of tequila, marinated watermelon, which our cowboy liked. You're right. And it's just like they were swooning over it, and then he wasn't on the top. I was just very confused by that. I, I got to assume he was a strong fourth. Um, but yeah, it, it is. Those are people who are afraid of the fire to a lesser extent. Eli was. Um. You know, I, it was, you know, they didn't like Isabella's pork. Yeah, uh, Euro, pork Euro. Euro. Uh, Kevin? I, I'm a Euro guy. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, Kevin? I almost did it. Yeah. Kevin. What? You almost did it, but you didn't do it. You know who did do I it? I said Yairo, so I was going to fuck it up both ways. You know who did do it, though? Who? Mike Isabella. Called it a, a, a pork gyro. He called, this is a guy, Kevin, who apparently is known for his Greek cooking. his Greekness? By the way, that, that restaurant's good. I've been to that restaurant. Kevin. It's not a gyro, and you don't put shrimp and chickpeas in a Greek salad. Who like? First so of all, you, you're you're blowing the lid off this. He is not. He's about as Greek as as a Kardashian. Like he, there's nothing Greek about him. No. Th- there isn't, and and he claims that he's all about authentic Greek cuisine, and yet he's calling it a gyro. Okay, it's not a gyro. It's a gyro, and the G is silent. Um, like George in in Greek is Yorgos, right? Like the the G the G right there in the beginning is a Y, right? That's the same with the gyro. Okay, now on this dish you're gonna do a gyro, and it's just bland. It's just pork, and then the pita, and lettuce, and tomato, and then he got a tzatziki where he. Um, you know, he put that together. It looked good. I like the idea of apple and fennel in a suit. Sure. I know you're not a fennel guy. I'm not a fennel guy, but, um, but you know what? The, he, the, the, the judges called it for what it is. It was a very average dish. There was nothing interesting about it. Maybe the apple fennel was, was a little bit of a twist, right? But you know what? Get all the way the F out of here with your Greek salad and your, your, your fake Greek salad and your fake gyro. I'm sorry. Yeah. Not his best moments. By the way, um, Bacon's supposed to make everything better, but for the second time in three or four weeks, someone gets dinged for too much bacon. Ash with his um, chicken pie with corn succotash, too much bacon grease. So um, Sometimes you, you know, can't that- spray enough vanilla. Like sometimes the vanilla uh, air freshener just can't get rid of the smell, and that's what's that's I the suppose. problem with, with these dishes. Is they were- We have a lot of bathroom humor on this show. <laughs> well, like you can't you can't hide the fact that you have a, a terrible a terrible dish by just sprinkling some bacon bits on there. Now, um, I don't think this dish was terrible. I, I think it was just. I and succotash didn't look. I think it's just like a little too bacon greasy. Oh, true. Yeah, that 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 one aside, Ash, that was fine. Um, but look, um, you got you got Ron, you got Mateen doing the ceviche, and you know what's funny about this episode was Jen Carroll even there for a, such a big I know, she, per, such a she big was personality. Kind of week. She yeah. just was kind of uh, just a standby. Um, I, I, I will say she. I just love her food, Tom. Like snapper with cold duck confit salad, daikons, carrots, and tomato water. Like I just want to eat her food. Like that's what I order at 110. Like if those were the men- – if that was the menu – all right, let's do this, Tom. It's 110 degrees. It's it's a hot day. You're eating hot outside. Which of those dishes are you ordering? Not not knowing if they're any good. So you're not informed mm. by the judge's comments. You just see ceviche three ways with a margarita. Coconut lime ceviche with an island mojito, a shiitake dashi with a black cod, you know, with some, you know, some ponzu, you know, the romaine salad, the drunken prawns and southwestern sausage. Like, by the way, sounds like something you might want on a hot day. A little shrimp, a little savory, but still a salad. I mean, what of those dishes would you have ordered? I'm choosing between Kevin's duck breast, yeah. the um, the grilled dandelion with oyster mushrooms, pork loin from Brian yeah. Voltaggio. The dashi is kind of... Out of left field, I respect it, and we'll talk about it later. But um, I'm probably going to go with with Kevin's. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm I'm giving myself away here, uh, just because there's so many. Like the Voltaggio, 
shiitake dashi with black cod and <laughs> and Jen Carroll's snapper with cold duck confit salad. Um, by the way, can I tell you how often we've been doing tuck confit? Oh no, this quarantine. So Tom, it is a game changer in this house. I found this farm in Pennsylvania that ships duck. So I've always wanted to do duck, right? But it's intimidating as hell. Like, you know, it's not like you can just throw duck on the grill or something, right? So I got the quarters for confit and I got the duck breast. To make a long story short, Tom, I am now making duck for us twice a week and I do it two ways. And when you learn how ridiculously easy it is, Tom, like – I'm See, talking at, easier than Kraft macaroni around, and I need cheese. Easy. I need easy when they're two kids. Tom, around. like yeah. this is how easy confit is. You take the duck quarter. You salt the hell out of it. You put it in some kind of Pyrex or Dutch oven dish that is exactly its size, so it's very snug. You turn on the oven for two hours. You turn off the oven. You let it rest. There is your confit. <laughs> like, like an absolute orangutan could make duck confit. I mean, maybe not. A plus level, but A, A minus level, don't comfy. I do a little plum compote with it because it's kind of fatty and, and rich. It's a game changer, Tom. I might send you some duck. Ooh, I would love I might that. send you some duck. And the breasts are kind of easy. Like you just have to watch. You have to render the fat, which is the toughest part. But really, it's like a 10, 12-minute cook, and then you just let it rest. Like – I didn't know duck was this easy, but when I heard like I'm going to do a duck confit salad now because mm-hmm. I, I, it never even occurred to me. It, that one, that one would be hard to top. Um, I'm probably still going with the the mole, the ch- the duck breast here from Kevin. Um, but you know what I'm not doing? What are you not doing? I'm not doing the cod ceviche. We have buried the lead here, Kevin. Tom yeah. Calicchio just threw out, spat out a dish on Top Chef. This is a Top five moment in Top Chef history. And, it, you know, when we see it happen, there are so many car crashes on this episode that it, it might get a little bit buried here. But ta- it was so bad that he had to spit it out. And it's just so hard to imagine a guy who's eaten everything on under the under the sky. A dish could be so bad that he'd have to spit it out. Um, and then we hear that Tim, Chef Tim Love... Out on the judges' table said that Mateen's dish made him ill. So, how bad was this? By dish? the way, do we think that's true? He, he's not out there. He's not sweating. He's not out there if he's feeling ill. Like maybe he's just. Uh, I think he's hyperbolizing. For effect. It. Yeah. Um. So you're now convincing me. Maybe I don't get eliminated because I'm doing a ribeye with some maybe some. You know, I, I thought about like the kind of the, the shrimp and grits. That's a bad idea. I'm doing the ribeye with like a farro salad, mm. some feta. Maybe, you know, throw some greens, in, you know, just like, like a, a, I'm doing a ribeye and a farro salad. So you're not you avoiding the grill. You're, you're going to you stick by the grill, but you, you just kind of sear it. You don't have to sit. The you, farro's you know. tough because I, do I have like a, do I have a pot or only a pan? Like the farro would, ha- I mean, I have to get the texture right, but I think that's what I'm doing. A ribeye and a farro salad because you can do the ribeye. You can figure out the ribeye, you know? Yeah. No, you, but you, you know what? You know what's funny is that I don't think many people even did steak, did they? Even did anyone do steak? I'm kind of shocked they didn't. Like no one thought just to do a, a hanger steak or Is it is it a matter of overthinking it? Like people are like, oh, you can't go steak and potatoes here, so I'm gonna go right, right, right. with a ceviche yeah, in, in a hundred and fifteen degree weather. Um so Mateen Mateen just does that dish and uh, look, it didn't work. Tom spit it out. It's, I think someone else said it was disgusting. Um but I want to talk about Ron here. Yeah. Ron does um, the the ceviche, the coconut lime ceviche, and then the uh, – was it a tequila drink, coconut tequila no, drink? No, it was it – was, it was, no, no. It was, a, it, was a, it was an island mojito. And he bombed that. Kevin, it is the curse of the duo. Just stick to one dish, exactly. right? Exactly. Um, I mean – and he wouldn't have been on the bottom. I, mean, I think they thought his ceviche was passable. Um, I think you, you you probably are looking at maybe Eli on the bottom for his for his radish salad and tuna sandwich. I would imagine um, if, if if Ron doesn't kind of screw the pooch on the mojito, I'm with you. And by the way, like the extra cocktail, unless you're a Voltaggio, just never works. And Ke- and Kevin, the co- the accompanying cocktail never works. You know, you're not uh, a you're not a mixologist. Just you're a chef. Not only that, he doesn't drink. He doesn't drink. 
So how is he going to know if it tastes good or if it works? You know, like it's, it, it doesn't, the juice doesn't, uh, it's not worth the squeeze here is he's reaching for a cocktail because it sounds like a good idea in 120 degree heat, but he can't taste or he doesn't drink. So he doesn't really understand. Maybe he, maybe he did taste it and it's just, he doesn't like drinking and he will, but I just think this was a poor decision. And if it weren't for Mateen, I think he would have been sent home because this was, you don't do a cocktail uh, on this dish if it doesn't require it. And if you do a cocktail, make sure you nail it, make sure you know what you're doing. And it was, uh, it was called, uh, it was, Cocktail is terrible. Padma said it's disgusting. Um, and that wasn't even a dish that he needed to make. So what the upside just isn't there. Yeah. Um, the drunken shrimp, which is <laughs> apparently tasted like chlorine. So I don't know enough about – I think – I feel like drunken shrimp is sort of like – what is it? It's just like kind of marinated in wine or or some kind of liqueur. So it's not like really cooked all that much. Um, I, I need to like I need to read up on drunken shrimp to know what she screwed up on. Um, I don't think it's just like shrimp stir fry. I should know this because I love Chinese food. The I quote from food. Chef Love, Kevin, was "Tastes like I sucked on a piece of chlorine." Now, I'm not the smartest guy on the planet, but how do you suck on a piece of chlorine? What was that yeah. sentence? Like, I get that he's trying to say it tasted like chlorine, but he sucked on a piece of chlorine. I'd like to see what a piece of – it was uh, a, ba- a very bad dish, the drunken shrimp, but um, sucking on a piece of chlorine is, is one of the great lines of Top Chef where it just makes you go, huh, what? I get what you're trying to go for, but what? Now, um, I guess – did she just marinate the shrimp in tequila? Yeah, I mean, it's normally wine. Like, I, and I have to say, yeah, I, as somebody who spends two hours a week in a chlorinated pool, I've never seen a piece of chlorine. <laughs> um, however, I apparently always smell like chlorine, which is which is kind of funny. This is my new fragrance. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think again, I think drunk. And someone, will, a viewer, will have or a listener rather, will have to write in. I, I believe you sort of marinate it in wine or li- a liquor of some kind before you stir fry it or, or and, and i don't again i should know this because i love chinese food but in any event it just she has trouble and again i i think i think tom mentioned this that she has trouble assembling dishes mm-hmm. right she has trouble kind of tying the bow it, it, it's these various component parts there's nothing really unified about it you know i actually love the idea of like grilled romaine like i love um, like wood fired yeah. romaine, yeah. yeah. Like I, it's something I lo- like a Caesar that's done that. Um, our friend Henry Abbott. Uh, there's a wonderful little neighborhood restaurant in his town in New Jersey, and they do like my absolute favorite charred romaine salad. I would go there just for that salad, and it was just amazing. So that's she actually had a good idea. Yeah. Like why not? I might order that with, dish. like a chicken Caesar, go, a southwestern chicken Caesar. I might with do a that charred dish. romaine. Yeah, yeah. I might do that like, dish. It reminds me what was it last last season when um uh I think it was it was might have been Chef Melissa did like a salad and just nailed it um and won won the won the dish won the quick fire or whatever. You don't have to do eight different things, and especially when you're at the judge's table, don't say, hey, I was inspired by ribeyes or steaks, and so I did shrimp and something else. Like, doesn't make much sense. So she also, has like, ideas in her head, but it never really comes together. I mean, I think people think shrimp is easier than it is to like get right, and yet the number of times on this show across all seasons we hear shrimp is either overdone or underdone is testament to the fact that it is actually much harder. She would have been better off doing the steak. Like she could have done a Southwestern steak Caesar with like a cool funky salsa, charred romaine. That would have been a great dish for this milieu. It would have been fantastic. Um, She's just really lousy at unifying a a dish. Mm -hmm. Uh, And maybe it's a time constraint. I mean, she obviously can cook. Uh, On the winning side, Ashley gets on the board very happy. Really um, happy. Yeah. You know, it, what is it? Kind of a deconstructed halibut club sandwich. I grew up on club sandwich. Like I love club sandwiches as a kid. Every time like we would open up a menu at a restaurant when I was a kid and I would search and search. I'd flip the pages or just look on the page looking for a club sandwich. And I it was it was like Steph Curry at the free throw line. I was 92% odds of of choosing the club sandwich. So I was a big fan of Ashley's dish. 
this is good to know. I've ever hosted you for lunch. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe it just means I like bacon. Uh, Michael Voltaggio, I love his. Oh, I love. I, you know, it's funny. I knew he it. was just like he was just like screw it. I'm making my food, and I don't care if it ain't Western. I, he doesn't do shtick. He's not gonna play. He's not gonna play. Here's and here's the line. I don't necessarily change the way I cook based on who I'm cooking for. Cowboys are cowboys, but I'm not cooking for cowboys. You don't cook. Essentially, what he was saying is the customer isn't always right. No. And that was that's an interesting, you know, for someone who like the top chef ethos is you have to do the challenge. He's like, no, I'm not going to think about the customer. I'm going to think about the challenge in terms of I have to create a really good dish in these circumstances in this environment. But I don't give an f who's eating my food, and I I kind of love that. Do you know what I was thinking about the other day? What? I found myself daydreaming. About Michael Voltaggio's egg yolk gnocchi from Inc. Mm. Those silky little like jewels. They are. I mean, it is one of the more decadent, amazing, textured food in this city the last ten years. It's one of my favorite dishes. So when he does, a, I would order two. When he does a dashi, Kevin, in in this, were you just nodding your head like yes? Were, were you just like Jack Nicholson in uh, in The Departed, where you're like yes, oh, Michael Voltaggio, that, that, that little meme, yes. of him like nodding, <laughs> yes. Was like that a, you like at a home? Psychopath. <laughs> I I just also I, I started trying to fool around with dashi. I got the bonito and I got the um the kelp, and I want to kind of you know what's funny? I stopped eating pork, but like I wanted to do the bacon dashi. Um, cause I think that would have been really good, but, uh, yeah, I, I just love, and also I love black cod. I make it a lot here cause he's absolutely right. It's fatty. Like I can't, it's the fish I can't screw up cause it's just so forgiving cause it's so yummy and fatty. So we do the, uh, miso black cod from Nobu here a lot. And I finally perfected it with the broiler. Um, I just love that he did that. I love that he said, fuck you and your little gimmicky challenges and like, yeah, and Lorene does the Arctic char, Kevin. Um, looked good. Looked really good. I was. Good. You're, I'm with you, man. I was surprised Kevin wasn't out of, uh, on the top here. Just like Jen, it seemed like uh, uh, Kev just wasn't on this episode. It was just you know you didn't get a lot of of Kevin on this episode. But um, I Lorene gets in the top. Ashley gets to the top. So two contestants who have been in the bottom uh, quite a bit on this on this season are in the top, and then of course. Who else is there but Brian Voltaggio and Michael Voltaggio? It is insane how good these two chefs are. Yeah. I, I'm ex- I mean, we need to – we, we got to chase a Voltaggio because I, I'd like to know what Michael's up to. Um, it is – again, Inks depart- – like Inks closing down was one of the more disappointing culinary closures. Although I have to say like after he and um, Mylin kind of left, it, it did fall off a little bit. She has a great place called Nightshade that I hope will reopen when everything reopens. Um, I mean, as we've talked about, I'm kind of terrified for the industry right now. Uh, what else? Have, what was the uh, season six preview or either episode six preview? Well, let's, let's re let's figure out the, the bottom three here real quick. Let's touch oh. on this. So Robin, 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 Mateen and Robin and Mateen Ron, right? and Mateen gets eliminated. Mateen, um, you know, you can't, when someone spits out one of your dishes or one of your elements on your dish, it's, it's never a good sign. Um, and you know, I think Ron did the duo, which is, which is always a bad idea. Robin just couldn't put together, you know, a, a cohesive dish, but Mateen goes home and I've tried to look up what Mateen is doing right now. And I didn't have much mm-hmm. success. Kevin, did really? you, did you, uh, like he did open up a restaurant, I believe. And then, it, and then it shut down. He, I read a bio that said he's, um, he still talks to Hector and Ron from the show, which is really adorable. I like that. Um, what, what did, is it? Is he, I, I'm looking at his Twitter feed now. Let me see. Did you, um, he's doing some, he, he lives in Portland. It looks like he lives in Portland. Um, and he likes I don't know. He likes butterscotch pudding. <laughs> is this his daughter? I think his daughter might be a kid cook on, I don't know. I want to say that. I, I really don't want to say that. Um, but he has, he has, Oh, okay. I'm on his Instagram now. Oh, lots of family. It's great. Okay. He's at yeah, he Mateen way at Mateen, M A T T I N W A Y. 
Um, it looks like he's in uh, his bio on Instagram says he's set your cash flow on autopilot, real estate, crypto, and e-commerce. Ooh, crypto. Uh, he and Spencer Dinwiddie. <laughs> he and Spencer. Um, I I don't know what he's doing on the food side but it looks like he's still in he's in portland which is pretty cool um so chef chef mateen there's a picture oh february 17th picture look who i run into run into in portland hashtag portland oregon it's him with gregory chef gregory the top chef uh, portland contingent yeah there you go um i like basque food would be fun there um there's a huge basque community in bakersfield california not far from here and uh, that has some Basque restaurants, and uh, we always talk about. February. We were going to get a golden retriever from Bakersfield, but it, um, they did not have. We, we were denied. They were not enough males in the litter. Whoa! So we all right. Well, we'll have to talk about that off air, Kevin, because I want to get the full update. Um, mm-hmm. February seventh, Mateen has a picture with Ron, Chef Ron. This is great. So 10, 11 years down the road, whatever it is, he and Ron are still hanging out, which is really, really cool. So um, shouts to uh, Chef Mateen, who was um, who had the apple of the eyes in uh, in your household there, Kevin. You like Chef Mateen. Um, like, he, you know, he's a reasonably attractive Frenchman okay. or Basqueman. Um But uh, couldn't, you know, just never got any momentum. It was kind of disappointing. I mean, kind of, I, I mean... To, to bomb the French cook, and then the outdoor when you're, you're you grew up on a farm. I don't know. I just it, it showed a lack of confidence. I, I think when you try to avoid the fire, you got to jump into the fire. Kevin, let's do our our final thoughts here. The Voltaggio intransigence, which was so appealing to me, first to just drag the stupid cactus challenge and say, I'm here to cook good tasting food, not to do menial tasks, stupid human tricks like de-sliming cactus. And then to turn right back around and say, I'm not cooking for your central casting cowboys. I'm here to make food for eaters and diners and let the chips fall where they may. I mean, I think it's fair to say he finished a strong second, maybe third. And But I just love that he just isn't having it. He doesn't care for gimmickry, Tom. He is here to cook innovative food, as Ash would say, uh, and he's going to do it his way. Yeah, um, he, he's, a, he's an innovator. He's not just a great chef. So um, bid farewell to Mateen. Um, it was fun. It was fun to see your red bandana scarf thing uh, on the show. And happy birthday to you. That was a lot of fun to see you. Um, drunkenly jump into pools and hot tubs and stuff the, a couple weeks ago. So Mateen, it was great having you on the show. And uh, now it starts to get really serious um, from here on out. We th- There hasn't been a shocker of someone being sent home. I think everyone so far, you get it. Maybe Hector is probably the, the, the top, the, the best chef that has been sent home so far. And I wish he was still around. But um, yeah. Another episode in the book, season six, Las Vegas, uh, and we we got to see Tom Colicchio uh, spit out a, a, a black cod, raw black cod. For Tom Abastro, this is Kevin Arnovitz, and this is Pack Your Knives. Oh.